Thanks for tuning in to this week's message. For more resources and information about Cedar Valley, please visit cvchurch.org. I'm just giving you a heads up. We're starting a brand new series today. And so it's a four-week series. It's called Multiply. Very oftentimes we do series, and we study through a book of the Bible. We just finished the book of Esther. Well, this is, a, this is more of a topical series, but I'm hoping to cast some vision for the church, to light a little bit of a fire under the church. And so we'll still be studying from the Scripture. Don't ever worry about that. We study only from the Scripture. And you need to pay attention. You need to ask the Spirit to, to, to speak to you in terms of, wait a minute, is that what that passage of Scripture was really saying? Did he just, did he just cherry pick just to make his point? And so, uh, but we'll be using the Scripture. And so I'm going to ask if you would to turn in your Bibles to 2 Chronicles. 2 Chronicles chapter 7 is where we'll start today. And, uh, and then we'll, we'll branch out from there. So 2 Chronicles chapter 7, when you get there, I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet. And just, uh, just a heads up for folks that are, are new here. Uh, we, don't, we don't stand up down. We won't do that the whole morning. But when we read our, our text to start with, again, we stand as a reminder, as a physical reminder, that this is God speaking to a room full of people in Bloomington, right? And he's speaking to us, and he has a word for us today. So I'm starting Second uh, Chronicles chapter 7, and I'm starting in verse 12. Verse 12, verse 12, God speaking, and he says, Then one night the Lord appeared to Solomon. He appeared to Solomon, and he said this, I've heard your prayer, and I've chosen this temple as a place for making sacrifices. At times, I might shut up the heavens so that no rain falls, or command grasshoppers to devour your crops, or send plagues among you. But then, if my people, who are called by my name, will humble themselves, and will pray, and will seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven, and I'll forgive their sins and restore their land. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for your holy word. God, thank you for the brief time that we have to study in your word. Holy Spirit, we desperately need you to speak to us. We need you to speak, Holy Spirit. I'm praying that your voice is the only voice that will be heard. I'm praying for those who are joining us, our online family. God, I'm praying that you'll speak through their medium today and you'll, you'll speak loud and clear to them where they're at today. God, let us hear your Holy Spirit uh, cast vision for us today, God. Prompt us this morning. Draw our eyes to heaven. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. You guys can have a seat. I'm calling this uh, Taking Ground. Taking Ground, again, it's the first in a four-week series called Multiply. The truth is, you're not going to get the multiply idea until about week three. So if we get all done, you're like, multiply, I don't get it. Don't worry. Don't worry. Week three is when we'll really break into that. Today, what I'm hoping to do, again, is ignite people. I'm hoping to cast vision. I think it's very clear if you look around today. You don't have to look far. You look around in the culture. You look around at what's going on in government. If we're really honest, you look around at what's going on in the church today, and you ask yourself, what is up? Like, what's going on? You, you, you look, and you look at things that are going on today, and you say, man, this is crazy. What, what's going on? There are things that are happening today that if you'd asked me 20 years ago, 30 years ago, I'd have said, well, that'll never happen in our lifetime. And we're seeing it today, and it's evident. It's really obvious. Uh, there was a book written a number of years ago. There's a man named Sir John Glubb. He's a Brit. He was a, a military officer, and he had uh, uh, significant influence in other parts of other countries, working with their militaries. He's a follower of Christ. And he looked around, and, and he saw what happens with great nations. And before there were nations, there were empires, and what happens with great empires. And he has a quote that he said this. He says, the life expectation of a great nation, it appears, commences, it starts with a violent and usually unforeseen outburst of energy, and ends 
and a lowering of moral standards, cynicism, pessimism, and frivolity. And he goes on in this book and he describes seven stages of any great nation. He studied all civilizations over the last 5,000 years of history. He studied all kinds of civilizations, all civilizations. And he says there's almost no exception that they all go through seven stages. All great nations, all empires go through the exact same seven stages. And he lists them out like this. He says, first, there's a stage of pioneers. There's pioneers. You can imagine that. You think of pioneers of this country, right? And then there's conquest, where they start, they start conquering other groups in their, in their land. There's the era of commerce, where they start figuring out how do we do business, how do we do business in this nation or in this empire. There's the, the, the stage of affluence, where they start to kind of have some things and they enjoy some things. There's, there's this era of this stage of intellect. There becomes a stage of decadence then, and then he says, finally, it goes to decline and collapse. Again, over 5,000 years, he's looked at all civilizations. He said they all go through these same seven stages. Where are we in America today? We're in the era of decadence. And actually, what Sir John Glove says is, we are in the era of late decadence. We are late in the decadence era, and we're headed for decline and collapse. And I think this makes sense to a lot of us. If we really got into these, you'd see very clearly how we've moved through each of these phases, each of these phases, each of these phases. And so then the question becomes this. Man, as a follower of Jesus in particular, I think we ought to be asking this question. As believers in Jesus, what do we do about this? And where do we start? Like, what are we supposed to do? I'm one guy, I'm one guy, you're one guy, you're one guy. Like, what do we do about this? We're in late decadence. And it's obvious to all of us. Everybody sees it. The question becomes, what do we do about it? Right, go to our text, 2 Chronicles 7, verse 14 says this. God speaking. Now, I want to be really clear about this because we have to be careful about this in the scripture. This wasn't specifically written to us. Agreed? This wasn't written to us. This was written to the nation of Israel. The nation of Israel was having some discord and some, some separation, and they were, they were having some real issues. But it's certainly written for us. This was written for us today. And he says this, if my people who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray. You've got to humble yourself to pray because you've got to be willing to acknowledge that you need God. If they'll humble themselves and they will pray and they will seek my face and then turn from their wicked ways, you've got to do something about it. It's not enough to say, hey, man, God, that was really terrible. And then we go head out and do the same thing all over again. If they'll turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sins and I will restore their land. Restore their land. God is calling us to prayer. There's no question about that. Now, here's the thing. Most Christians, to be honest, if you've been in church long enough, you don't need a lot more inspiration. You don't need a lot more inspiration. We've had enough inspiration. We've had plenty of that. We've heard it. We've heard, oh, I know, I know. We need to pray. I, need to, I know we need to pray. We need to pray. We need to pray. Let me just give you a simple thing. And this is, please hear my heart. Like, this isn't in a condemning way at all. This is not in a judgmental way at all. Third Sunday night of every month, everybody, we have prayer circles, and, and we've been doing it forever. And it's still just a small smattering of people that show up. Oh, I know, I know, that prayer thing's important. I know it, I know it, I know it. But we don't gather to pray. No, it's not just to gather to pray. I mean, you need to be praying on your own. I need to be praying on my own. But when we get a chance for the followers of Jesus to gather together and pray, let's do it. Let's do it. Like, we have got to be praying. Let me, let me give you just a couple thoughts. And this isn't what the message is about, right? So just distraction for a second. This is not what the message is about. But two thoughts on prayer, if you would. And that is, number one, the priority of prayer. The priority of prayer has to become a priority. We say this all the time. Well, 
It's a desperate situation. It's been really bad. Things have been tough. I guess all we can do now is pray. You guess all you can do is pray. That's all. Now, that tells me, when we say things like that, that tells me that prayer is our last, it's our, it's our, it's our last effort. It's our last, it's, it's our last ditch effort, right? Prayer is not that. Prayer should be our first response. Now, we got to act, we got to behave, we got to do, we got to get busy. But our first thing is, let's just stop. We're just going to stop. We're just going to listen to the Lord. We're going to listen. We're going to pray. We're going to listen. That's what we're going to do, right? So, so I would say, number one, it's priority of prayer. But I want to point this out to us, that number two, it is a plan. It is a plan. Sometimes we don't need more inspiration. We just need instruction. Now, this is why I say that. And we prayed together this morning the Lord's Prayer. And in Luke's version, in Luke chapter 11, when he says this, Jesus is, is telling the disciples, they're like, yeah, Jesus, uh, we've been hanging out for a while. We don't really know how to pray. Which you, I always love reading that because then you don't feel so inept, right? And Jesus said, oh, oh, when you pray, these are the exact words you should use. Didn't say that. This is exactly what you should pray. He didn't say that. He said, this is how you should pray. And then he unfolds the Lord's Prayer that we all said together. How many of you grew up saying the Lord's Prayer? Yeah, a lot of you. A lot of you in your church and stuff. You grew up saying the Lord's Prayer. And it's fantastic and it's powerful. But what Jesus really did, he said, this is how you should pray. And then he lays out seven principles for him. Right? Okay. So we're going to take a look at that this morning. I want us to take a look. We're going to take a look at a different prayer. And I'm saying we have got to be people of prayer. It's got to be a priority of prayer. And so I want you to see, if you go to the book of First Chronicles, and you're reading First Chronicles, and you read about the first eight chapters, it's just all begats. You know, it's all the begats. It's th this, this person had these sons, and these sons came from this father. And he goes through a lot of the descendants of David in particular. And what you should do when you read the scripture is just read the scripture almost like you read anything else. And then just every once in a while you're like, that's weird. Like when you see that, when you're reading the scripture and something is very different, it just stands out and you go, that's weird. Pay attention. You should pay attention because the writers are trying to tell us something. The Holy Spirit is trying to tell us something. Okay, when you go to the book of First Chronicles and you're reading through it and you go, hey, all this descendants, hey, all this descendants, all this descendants, all this descendants. And then all of a sudden you get this. There was a man named Jabez. Wait, this is a break in pattern. If you go home and you read that, you'll just see the massive break in pattern. You're in First Chronicles, right? You're in verse, uh, chapter 4, and, and, and just, there, you'll just see it. It's just so obvious. And it just stops. It's been this whole Hall of Fame, all these descendants of David especially, right? This whole Hall of Fame, and he goes, oh, psst, by the way, there's a man named Jabez. It's just really interesting. You've got to pay attention. He says, there was a man named Jabez who was more honorable than any of his brothers. Why? I don't know. I don't have any clue. We're not told. The scripture doesn't tell us why he was more honorable than any of his brothers. It's not talking about that now. It just tells us that, we, that, he, that he was, and so we believe the scriptures. His mother named him Jabez because, this is interesting to me, because his birth had been so painful. How would you like that one? How would you like that one? Hey, psst, painful, giga over here. Right? What if, what if your mom had been told that she was going to have a baby on March or February 25th, and the baby didn't come until the 28th? Later. Get over here. Late. Come here. Like, that would be the kid's name. And this kid's mom named him Jabez because the birth was painful, and Jabez means pain. Okay, then watch this. He was the one, this Jabez, his name means pain. He was the one who prayed to the God of Israel, and this is what he prayed. Oh, that you would bless me. Now, we're going to work through this, that you would bless me. Now, some of you have read older versions. Tell me if you know this. Oh, that you would bless me. Who said that? Indeed. 
Bless me indeed. The real meaning of the scripture here is, this, is like, God, bless me for real. I mean, bless me for real, God. Bless me indeed. That's, the, that's the, the tenor of this. Oh, that you would bless me. And number two, expand my territory. Please, God, be with me in all that I do. And keep me from all trouble and pain. He's going to go for, through four things here that we're going to look at. Just know this. This guy, life has been painful. Apparently, his birth was pain. His mom keeps reminding of it how painful the birth was, and you notice that he's not, he's not praying for his situation, for whatever his situation might be. He's praying more for what God has for him, and I think sometimes we get trapped in life, in the pain and the situations of life, and it, it almost hamstrings us from moving forward, and I'm saying this. If God fulfills these four requests, if God does these things in his life, his situation doesn't, he's not going to worry about his situation. God's going to take care of it. And so he's going to pray for four things, and I want us to look together to prompt us to start thinking of the priority of prayer, that if we're going to take ground for the kingdom of God, if we're going to be God's people, because this is my contention, my contention is we become so comfortable. The, the American God today is comfort. How many of you know that? Comfort is the American God. Convenience is the American God, right? That's what we worship. And so what we do is we say, oh, yeah, I surrendered my life to Jesus. I came to Jesus. I gave my life to Jesus. And then we just hang out until we get to go be with Jesus. I'm like, that's not for God's people. That is foolishness for God's people. We are mission-minded people. We're on mission. We're about the business of God. And so here's how we need to pray. Number one, start to pray this. Start to pray for blessing. Start to pray for blessing. Pray for God's blessing in your life. We're a little uncomfortable with that because it feels a little bit uncomfortable. It feels like, oh, God, bless me, bless me, bless me. We feel uncomfortable. But I want you to know this. God wants to bless you. God wants to bless you. Hear me. Listen to me. God wants to bless you. And some of you just need to receive that this morning, and you need to get that into your heads, that God is a God of blessing, and God wants to bless you. He says this in Genesis. Blessed is the one who does not walk in the step of the wicked. If you go to Psalm 1 and you read verse 1, it talks about blessed is the one who, who does not walk in the way wicked, who does, not, who does not walk with sinners, who does not sit in the seat of scoffers. But in his word, in his law, he meditates day and night. And then when you get to verse 3, as a result of this, it says this. That person is like a tree planted by the streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. And whatever he does, he prospers. Now, just so you know, the word blessed and the word prosper come from the same Hebrew word, uh, root word which is barak. They're the same thing. They're the same thing. When God blesses you, he causes you to prosper. Now, the challenge is, in the American culture, is we're very tainted because of prosperity theology. Raise your hand if you're familiar with prosperity theology. Yeah. So prosperity theology is biblical heresy, just so you know that, which basically, I believe God wants to bless us. I, I believe God wants us to prosper. But because we live in this country, because we live in Western culture, what that always means is more cash. And further, it says this, you ain't going to get sick. And if you were doing it right in the first place, if you were living Jesus the way you're supposed to, you wouldn't get sick. Biblical heresy. Biblical heresy. I know too many, I know people sitting in this body right now, you're shaking your head double hard because you know you love Jesus, you serve Jesus, you follow Jesus, and you've got a diagnosis. I'm telling you, man, prosperity theology is silly. Having said that, God wants to bless you. He is a blesser. God wants you to prosper. That everything that person does, he prospers. I like this. 
He says this in Psalm 5, he says, for you bless the godly. God is a God of blessing. God wants to bless. If you go back to the book of Genesis, he's, he's talking to Isaac and he says, and this is really interesting language, this is fun for me. It says, when Isaac planted his crops that year, he harvested a hundred times more grain than he planted. Now just stop. He, planted, he, he, he harvested a hundred times more than he planted. Why? Because the Lord blessed him. Now I'm going to now just hold tight. I'm going to go to the very next verse, but before I do this, I'm just giving you a heads up. I'm switching translations because the words in this are really powerful. So we're in the New Living Translation right here. I'm just, I'm just stepping over. You know that different translations say the same thing with different words. Just says a little different way, right? Very same verse. It says that he, he harvested a hundred times more than he planted, right? Because God blessed him. Okay, now look at the very next verse in the New King James. The man began to prosper and continued prospering until he became very prosperous. I think God's okay with the word prosper. I think God's okay with that. Sometimes we need to get okay with that. Now, here's the thing. The bigger question becomes this. Why does God want to bless you? That's a really good question. If you're, if you're asking that question, well, well, why does God? You ask the right question. You ask, this is what blessing means in the Bible. Literally, this is what it means. Here you are, and God has blessed you, and he just did this. Boom! And he took you way over here where you couldn't get by yourself. He's taking you beyond that. The question is why. Why does God want you to prosper? And the scriptures tell us this. He's speaking to Abraham, and he says, now watch this. I'll make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. Why? So that you will be a blessing to others. God, you're here, God wants to do this, and he wants to give to you so that you'll be a blessing to others. It's, we've got to expand our minds sometimes. You've got to get out of a lack mindset, and we've got to go to an abundance mindset. And for some of it, it's, it's really hard. I'll tell you, this is, it's always been extremely hard for me. When I was um, maybe seven years old, there were three of us, seven, eight, and nine. Folks threw three littles in the back seat, and it's time for a new car. We didn't buy new cars. I always say this, we were not poor growing up, but my folks didn't have any money. Some of you, you know what I'm talking about. My, my father worked, my mother never worked, she stayed home, we didn't have anything. But we weren't poor, we always slept inside, we always had a meal, but now it's time for a new car. We've never bought a new car, never have we ever bought a new car. And so my father's going, he's looking at a three-year-old car, a three-year-old car, and so he puts three littles in the back seat, we go to the car lot, we're just whatever, doing whatever, trying to make as much trouble as we can. And finally we get done, he throws three kids back in the car, we go home, my folks picked out a car, we got a car picked out. The next day we go back and they got the car all ready for us. We get in the new car, this thing, we were like, snap, this is amazing. We're just little kids, like, this thing is amazing, it's amazing. And we get home, or no, we don't get home, we're driving home. True story, on the way home, my father literally, just going down the street, boom, pulls the car over, side of the road, turns around, looks at three littles like this, and he says, now listen to me, we don't need to tell anybody we bought a Buick. Now, he, that's, why, that's why today I'm so bougie. That's why, because <laughs> I was a little kid with a Buick. But I'm just saying this. That's why still for me to this day, my father didn't mean anything by it, but here's what I heard. It's not okay to have. It's not okay to have. And if you ever have something, shut your mouth and don't say boo. And God is saying, I'm the God who blesses. I'm the God who takes you from here, and I take you, and I put you over here. Now, why? Because I want you to be a blessing to other people. That's what God wants for you. He wants to bless you, not so you'll have more stuff. If you think the reason that God wants you to, to bless you is so you'll have more stuff, you got it wrong. 
If you believe that God wants to bless you so that you can be a blessing to other people, that's exactly right. So here's a simple prayer I would start thinking about praying right now. God, give me more than I need so I can be a blessing to the world around me. Start praying that. God, bless me. Bless me indeed. God, give me, give me more. Why? So I can be a blessing to other people. That's what we want. If this is going to start with a prayer, we start by praying this. God, bless me. Understand that God is a God of blessing, that he desperately wants to bless his children so that there'll be a blessing to others, right? Here's the second thing that he prayed for. He prayed for influence. He prayed for influence. He prayed for influence. And we're going to harp on this just a little bit because what we're talking about today is taking ground. And taking ground, when I say, man, we want to be taking ground, not only in some kind of authoritative, militaristic way. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about having influence. Now, here's what he prayed. Remember this? He said, he was the one who prayed, Jabez was, to the God of Israel, oh, that you would bless me and bless me indeed. Bless me, God, so that I have more, so that I can be a blessing to others. And further, he said, expand my territory. Now, if you think about the time of Jabez, he's in the time where Israel has conquered the promised land, and the land has been distributed to the different tribes, and now it's being split up, right? And so maybe Jabez goes out, and maybe he's got land. He says, God, expand my territory. He must have some. And maybe he's got some fence posts put in, and maybe he's got some rope up. I don't know. And he's looking down. He says, God, expand my territory. Expand my territory. And what we pray today as a church is, God, expand our territory. Now, again, when I say that, I pray that because I pray this daily. I'm not saying, God, would you make my house bigger so it goes out into the street and takes over my neighbor's yards? Would you do that, God? <laughs> right? I'm not praying that. When I pray for the blessings of the church, God, that you would expand our territory. I'm not saying, God, dear God, would you make our building bigger? Would we pour out onto the street? Would we swallow up the neighbor's yards? That's not what we're praying. We're saying, God, give us more impact. Give us more influence. God, would you bless us so much? Would you bless us so much that we're able to bless others? And how could we really bless them? The influence of God by influencing their lives right? That's the, now we're taking ground. Now we're having kingdom impact. Now we're having influence. Now, how do we do this? How do we do this? Because it's not of us. This is what the scripture says. Ephesians 3 says, now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we can ask or imagine. That, that's God that does that. It's his mighty power working through us, within us, God is how we're going to accomplish infinitely more. Look, what are you thinking right now? What's your great dream right now? Pfft, nope, not enough. It's not enough. And the reason I know that is because what God can do is more than you can imagine. It's more than I can imagine. Are we praying for that? Are we asking for that? Are we saying, God, do more in and through us. Bless us so much that we're a blessing to others. And then, God, give us so much influence. It's stuff I can't even think of right now. It's stuff I, I can't even think of how we're going to have influence in this community. I can't even think of the influence that you're going to have in your home, with your spouse, with your children, with your parents, with your classmates, the kind of influence that you're going to have in your neighborhood, with your neighbors. You know why? Because what God can do is more than we can ask or imagine. That's what we really want. That's what we really want. We want to have influence. We want to take ground. We want to have impact. We want to have influence. This all starts with prayer. This is all starting with prayer. And the first phase of the prayer is just, God, bless us so we can be a blessing to others. And the greatest blessing we can be is to have that kind of influence. So I would start to pray something maybe along these lines. God, use me so that my wife would have an eternal impact in the lives of others. Are you praying for influence? Are you praying that you're going to have opportunity? Are you praying for ministry opportunities? Are you praying for those kinds of things? And then are you paying attention for those kinds of situations? We had a neighbor about, 
two, two, a year and a half ago, two years ago. Remember, she like flatlined or something. She almost died. Young gal, young gal, she almost died. And then we found out about it about four or five days later. Four or five days later. And so, man, we went to the hospital. We want to pray for her. We want to pray for her. So, so we got to go. We got to visit. You know, they weren't letting everybody in, and we visited. And uh, she was so excited to see us. And we prayed. We said, because when we get done, when we get done talking with her, catching up with her, we said, hey, do you mind if we pray for you? Listen to me. Can I just tell you this? Start asking that question because no one ever says no. In all my life, I've never had anybody say to me, "Mm, I don't want that. No, man. She was in the hospital. She had to go. She had to figure out how to just function again. She almost died. And we said, can we pray for you? She said, oh, I I knew. I knew if you guys came. I knew you'd pray for me. So we prayed. We laid our hands on her in the hospital room. We prayed. And I prayed. And then Kimmy brought the thunder. Oh, my goodness. It was just like the Holy Spirit came out. And, and man, the Holy Spirit met us there. And we just ministered to her. Right? Are we looking for opportunities? Are we looking for opportunities to minister? It was about three years ago. I was on my way to work here. And I ran into a guy. And when I say I ran into him, I mean I hit him with my car. He, I was driving my car. <laughs> and I was coming down. And I'm driving into the east. Right? And I got to turn to come into a church. And so when I turn to come, the sun is like this. So I, so I, so I turn out, and all of a sudden, boom, boom, guy was on his bike, boom, up over the hood. And I jumped out of my car, and I was like, dude, you scratched my car. And, and so then I, I ran over to him, right? And I'm like, man, are you okay? And he's just laying in the street, right? And I'm like, you okay? He's a little skinned up. And he's like, yeah, man, I'm, he goes, I'm, I'm okay, I'm okay, I'm okay. And so we called an ambulance anyway just to come and check him out. And the ambulance, we're like, we were waiting for the ambulance. And he goes, man, this is the second time this month I've been hit, hit on my bike. Which is a bummer, because I always like to be, you know, first. And so, and so uh, he, he just says, man, I know that when I'm riding my bike this way, cars don't see me coming out of the sun. And so we chat for a bit, and I said, man, that's, that's brutal. And he goes, yeah, it's just been a brutal time. And, and uh, he was telling me about his life, and it was just rough. I was a young guy, maybe 25, 26 years old, just tough. His life had just been tough. And so listen, I just let him talk. I let him explain. I said, that sounds tough. I let him talk. I let him explain. I said, that sounds tough. He goes on for a while. And then I asked this question. Remember this question. I said, can I ask you a question? He said, yeah. I said, man, when life is tough like that, when life is really hard for you like that, I said, what do you do? How do you handle that? And he goes, oh, man, I just, you know, I just try to keep going. I just try to keep going. And then I asked for permission. And I said, do you mind if I tell you how, how I, what I do? Like when things are really tough, do you mind if I, if I explain that to you? And again, almost nobody says no. And I said, man, a long time ago, like back when I was in high school, I just figured this one out. I cannot do this on my own. I'm a train wreck. And I just cannot. And I said, to be, inter- to be honest, I said, I just had an encounter with God. And I, I actually gave my life to God. I committed my life to God. And now I follow him every day. And when things are really tough, man, I just, I go to prayer and I pray. God brings me comfort. God sometimes delivers me from things. And we chatted for a while, chatted for a while. They got him bandaged up with the, the ambulance, and then we were taken off. And I said, hey, you mind if I pray for you? Sure, go ahead. And I prayed for him. Are you looking for ministry opportunities? Are you looking to have influence? Are you thinking about it? Have you prayed first? God, bless me. Bless me indeed. Bless me that I would have so much that I would be a blessing to others. And now, God, I want to be a blessing to others by having the influence of Christ. And I'm going to be looking for opportunities. God, I'm asking you to provide opportunities. And then, God, I'm asking you to, 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 to help me speak into those. So we pray for blessing. We pray for influence. Number three is this. We pray for presence. 
We pray for presence. Now, now get this. Now watch this. Pray for presence. And here's what that means. Remember our passage in the scripture. It says Jabez was the one who prayed to the God of Israel. Oh, God, bless me more than, more, than, more than what I have. Not so I have stuff, God, so I'll be a blessing to others. God, expand my territory. God, allow me to be an influence, an influencer. Allow me to have impact. God, I want to take ground for the kingdom, for your namesake, for your glory, God. And then number three, please be with me. Please be with me, God. Please be with me. Some translations say, God, would you place your hand on me? We say this, God, would you, would you fill me with your spirit? And here's the reason why. Because if you're really thinking about that kind of stuff, you're asking God for stuff that you do not have the ability to do. It's beyond you. It's beyond me. There's no way. Things that we're going to just say, God, I can't even think, ask, or imagine for these things. Yet, God, would you do that? And God's like, well, you're not going to get this one done. I better do it. We say, yes, God. So we need your presence. We need your presence to be with us. This is, again, the New Testament. In the book of Acts, we saw people coming to Christ over and over. And it says, the Lord's hand is with them. What was the result? A great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. Why? Because the Lord's hand was with them. Because the presence of God was there with them. Because the Holy Spirit had filled them. That's what we pray for. We say, God, place your hand upon me. Place your hand upon me, God. You've got to do this because I don't have the ability. And I readily admit that, God, but I'm willing to walk into that space. I'm, I'm ready to do that, right? The scriptures are going to tell us, 2 Corinthians, Paul is writing. He's going to tell us a little bit more about how to do this. He says, it's not that we think we're qualified. You don't have to have the skill set. You don't have to have the ability. You and I together, we don't have the skills. We cannot do this, right? It's not what we think that, that we are qualified to do anything on our own. Our qualification comes from God. Everybody say qualification. qualification. From God. That's where you got your qualifications. He's enabled us to be minister of his new covenant. And then he goes on in the very next verse and he says this. This is a covenant not of written laws, not man-made ways. It's not man-made. He says it's of the spirit. The old written covenant ends in death. But under the new covenant, the spirit is what gives life. The Spirit is what enables us. The Spirit is the word pneuma. Pneuma is the Greek word spirit, right? Because really, the, the best word is actually not even spirit. The best word is, is, is breath. That's the best word. But the problem is it didn't sound real catchy when we say Father, Son, and Holy Breath, right? So we went with spirit. So we went with spirit. But the problem is it's not even, pneuma is not even the word breath. It is breath. It's, it's that. That's pneuma. It's what you might have felt when we were in worship today. You might have felt that, right? It, it, it's that breath. It's that, it's that presence of God that you feel, that you sense, right? That is a, it's the wind in your sail, what gives you strength and power. It's the Holy Spirit that will do it in you. It's not you. You don't have to worry. Well, I don't have that skill set. None of us do. None of us have those skills. None, if you knew my story, if you knew my story, if you, listen to me, I, I, first of all, God does this in the scriptures all the time. These are the examples that we get in the scripture all the time. David, Israel's greatest king, a man after God's own heart. That dude was flawed. That dude was flawed. Read the scriptures. Right? What about Moses? Moses was a stutterer. He said, God, 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 God I, 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 I can't do this, God. I can't do this. God said, I'm doing it. I'm doing it. I'm doing it. The apostle Paul? Paul was ISIS long before ISIS ever existed. <laughs> Paul was dragging folks out of their home and having them killed because they professed faith in Christ. Peter? Peter was just shooting things off the top of his head. He was the powerful early apostle who built the church. Right? 
Listen, man, I grew up a stutterer, stutterer. Not like, I mean, like I was a significant stutterer. I had to go to classes to, to try to stop my stutter. We're kids. My mother left us. We were left. I grew up insecure, insecure, insecure. I felt God called me to ministry. I went to a Christian university. Just, 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 just before I was finishing the program, I bailed because of insecurity. And I said, God, I don't have it. I don't have what these other people in my class have. I don't have it. And I changed my degree. I still walk with the Lord. Did that for 20 years until God said, okay, now it's time. Now it's time, and I'm not messing around. Let's go. If you knew my story, if you knew how inadequate and insecure I was and all of my weaknesses, every one of you would be at the altar on your face worshiping God right now. If you knew that, it's not us. It's not us. Aren't you great, grateful that it's not, this church isn't about me? Aren't you grateful that, that these aren't about your gifts, your talents, your abilities? It's the Holy Spirit that works in you. It's the wind that fills your sails. It's the power that empowers Christian ministry. God, help us to be a blessing. God, bless us, but God, bless us so much that we'll be a blessing to others. God, enlarge our territory. God, give us more influence. God, God give us impact. God, give, give, us, give us ministry in Jesus' name. And then, Lord God, right, place your hand upon us, because that's the only way this is going to happen. If you place your hand on us, God, it's happening. If you don't place your I don't care how old you are. I don't care, I don't care what you see as your ministry. Some of you all, your ministry is going to be in the classroom. It's going to be hanging out at your locker. It's going to be in your sports team or in your band. It's going to be hanging out in the hallways. It's going to be in the cafeteria. That's going to be your ministry. And God's going to place his hand upon you, and he's going to give you influence. And for some of you, it's going to be in the workplace. And some of you, it's going to be with your neighbors. Right. God's going to bless us. God's going to give us influence. God's going to place his hand upon us. Okay, now, now do the math on this, because these were kind of in a special order. Now think about this. If God blesses you, if God blesses us as a church, I mean crazy blessing, like more than, more than we have so that we'll be a blessing. And we start being a blessing to others. We start having influence. And God's placing his hand on us. And we're having powerful ministry for the name of Jesus. What do you think is going to happen? I'll tell you what's about to happen. All hell is going to break out against you. Because the devil's not happy about this. The devil does not want this. Right? I mean, this is what, so, so watch this. So what's the fourth thing he prays for? Oh, that's interesting. Praise for protection. Praise for protection. Praise for protection. Look, here's what the passage says. Jabez was the one who prayed to the God of Israel, Oh, that you would bless me, that you would give me influence, that you would place your hand on me, that you would be with me, and then keep me from all trouble and pain. He's asking for God's protection. He's asking for God's protection. Why? Because the enemy does not want you to succeed. I love how, how, how Peter describes the devil. Like, watch this. Watch this in 1 Peter. He says this, you, you and me, he's talking to us. Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil. Now watch, this is what our, de- our enemy does. Prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Did you get the picture? Okay. If we're going to pray and say, God, bless us. Bless us indeed. God, give us influence. God, place your hand upon us. Now pray for protection. Pray for protection. Because the enemy does not want that to happen. Now, you don't need to freak out. You don't need to panic about this. Because the very next verse says this. Resist him. 
standing firm in the faith, resist him, standing firm in the faith. And I like even the reminder that we get from Paul writing to the Philippian church. He says this, therefore God exalted him. Who's him? Everybody say Jesus. Okay, God exalted Jesus to the highest place and gave Jesus, the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, now look at this, every knee, every knee should bow, both in heaven, here in the earth, and under the earth. And it's not necessarily a logistical location, but he's referring here to the demons, to the Satan, to the demons. They will bow their name to Jesus someday. They are defeated. He just hasn't taken judgment yet. The enemy is defeated. You don't need to freak out. Do we have an adversary? Absolutely. Does he prowl around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour? Absolutely. You and I don't need to freak out. We need to resist him, and we need to stand firm. When I, when I had first come to Christ, my mother was with me one time, and she said this. Listen, that's, she, some had come up. She said, that's of the devil. That's of the devil. Now listen, here's what you do. You pray this. In the name, everybody say, in the name, in the name. Of, Jesus. of Jesus. In the authority, in the authority. of Jesus. I rebuke you. And that's what you say to the enemy. The enemy has no power. He has no authority. He is instantly defeated by the name of Jesus. The scripture says that the name of Jesus, he has to flee. When those situations come into your life, recognize what it is, and then you say, in the name of Jesus, by the authority of Jesus' name, I rebuke you. And I tell you, you have to go. You must flee. And that's what we do. We don't have to freak out about this. So a prayer would be this. God, strengthen me in and rescue me from every attack of the enemy. Rescue me in and protect me from both. And I would pray that. I would pray that. So here's our verse this morning. Listen. Jabez. Jabez was the one who prayed to the God of Israel. Oh, that you would bless me. Expand my territory. Give me influence. Be with me in all that I do. And then keep me from all trouble and pain. Here's what I love. Because this is the last line of that verse. Okay, what if Cedar Valley started praying that same prayer? Like, what would that look like? What if ReChurch started praying that prayer? What if together as two bodies of Christ, man, we were, we were just praying that prayer and God was indeed blessing us because we know it's okay to ask God for blessing we actually know that God wants to bless us he wants to give us more than we need so that we'll be a blessing to others and what if that blessing turned into the fact that we were having influence man we were taking ground for the kingdom what if and then we said God place your hand upon us because what you call us to is too great for us there's no way that we could ever do it God place your hand upon us and then God we're buckled up we're prepared Protect us, protect us, protect us, protect us, protect us, oh God. What if we started praying that? Because at the end of the day, here's our big so what today. Taking ground starts with prayer. Now listen, there's more to it than just prayer because sometimes we got to get up out of our seat and we got to move. But it's going to have to start with prayer. 